0: Small Town Missing. I'm Thomas. I'm Rhonda. And on today's episode, we actually have a special guest as our third seat. Will is out sick currently. So you want to introduce yourself? I'm Rex. Yeah, you got all three of us here today. Mother, father, and son. This is going to be an interesting episode.
1: And I think Rex passed COVID along to Will. (laughs) Just saying.
0: He deserves it. Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We, the three of us, got over COVID weeks ago. Weeks I ago. I don't
1: think he did. <clears throat> His seemed to linger much and, longer. And
0: Will had been around multiple times before then to suddenly have Still symptoms. Still saying it's been over a week because wasn't he out last week? Who? Will didn't come over last week.
1: I thought. Oh, you're right. He did. I don't think he did. He didn't. Um. Well, maybe I'm blaming blaming the wrong person. You might be. <laughs>
2: But it's still. Will fun. Will is such a personality; he will be missed. Yes, yes, yeah. he will be missed. But all right, you ready to start this episode? Yes, I am. All right, get into it.
1: Okay, uh, today's episode is a is Beverly Rose Potts, and this is a well known case from Cleveland, Ohio. It's an old case, but has had some recent activity on it. And at Cleveland, Ohio, I know I'm getting away from our prim- premise of small towns, but. I thought this was interesting, so I I just thought I would run with it. So everybody just bear with me. Then run with it. Yeah. Most of my information for this episode comes from uh, Charlie Project. Okay. Okay. So Beverly was 10 years old when she went missing from Cleveland, Ohio, August 24th, 1951. She'd been given permission to attend a show wagon performance that evening at Halloran Park. Now, according to Cleveland.com, Beverly lived at 11304 Lennett Avenue which is about a block from the park. And from what I found on clevelandohio.gov, Show Wagon is uh, Cleveland's performing arts troupe made up of young people ages 8 to 17, and it actually still continues today. They put on shows um, every summer. So Beverly and friend Patsy Swing attended the show that evening, arriving at Halloran Park around 8 p.m. Betsy wasn't allowed to stay out after dark and left Halloran Park about 8.40 Patsy last saw Beverly watching the show. She was standing in front of a, and this is, quote, small, plump woman who had her hand on Beverly's shoulder. Now, Beverly had been given permission to remain until the show ended. The last confirmed sighting of Beverly was from a 13-year-old boy. He saw a girl he thought was Beverly walking across the park in direction of her home about 9.30 that evening. When Beverly didn't return home when expected, her parents searched for her, but they found nothing. So they immediately reported her to the police. And that was about 1030 that night. So uh, and Beverly had a happy home life. She did well in school. She was going to start fifth grade that fall at Lewis Agassi Elementary School. So her case was not considered a runaway. Nothing suspicious there as far as, you know, she could have taken off or anything like that. And again, she was only 10 years old. Yeah. According to Cleveland.com, thousands joined in the search for Beverly. Hundreds of city workers were reassigned to assist in the search. An average of 1,500 tips came in each day and dozens. Yeah, Whoa. Yeah. You do look surprised. And dozens of suspects were interviewed. Uh, for two months after Potts disappeared, a man contacted the family and asked for $25,000 for Beverly's return. Hmm. Now, it turns out he had nothing to do with the disappearance. It was just all about extortion. Yeah. Another man claimed he had a hit and run accident in bo- involving Beverly. And I guess mm. he just tossed the body aside is what his claim was, yeah. but that proved to um, also proved to be false. Yeah. You gonna say something? No, no.
0: I was oh, okay. just taking in the story.
1: Okay. Uh, according to Wikipedia, Harvey Lee Rush confessed in 1955 that he'd killed Potts, but when he was extradited to Cleveland from California, he stated he'd made the story up just so he could get back to his hometown. Uh. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I mean, it, they were just coming out of the woodwork on this one.
0: Yeah, I guess that's one of the things that makes missing persons cases so complicated is that there's n- sometimes no evidence, so they can make up anything they want, and it's kind of hard to prove that they're lying.
1: Uh, yeah, you have to chase it down, unfortunately. Yeah and 1500 tips a day that's a lot that's a lot now, of tips. I don't know how long that went on but i would say for a while
2: remember also that 1500 tips back in 1951 had to be handled by hand true they, there was no computer systems so it was basically a card file system of some kind that they that they had to run through the police department had to run through and the phones of course you you didn't have the ability to dial rapidly either. So the time constraints were probably pretty heavy.
1: Oh, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Two retired Cleveland police detectives claimed to have solved the case in 1974. They had received a tip from a local lawyer stating the client a client's brother had confessed to taking Beverly. When questioned, the brother stated he didn't recall pots, but had, quote, flashes of memory. Of a girl named Beverly. And again, according to Wikipedia, the county prosecutor's office refused to charge the man due to lack of evidence. Now, according to Charlie Project, the story has not been confirmed by official sources.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. So, like I said, there were people just coming out of the woodwork. I mean, that one could have been true. Don't know. Yeah. But there's just no not enough evidence. evidence. Yeah. Right. Right. And William Henry Ridman, who was from Ohio and near the area at the time, was a possible suspect, according to Charlie Project. Ridman was awaiting trial in 1951 for the murder of, oh, I'm sorry, for the 1951 murder of eight-year-old Jane Marie Altoff of Pennsylvania when he died in 1992. Allegedly, he told a cellmate he'd killed three other girls in addition to Althoff. Uh, no connection has been made between redmond and potts disappearance so apparently he didn't name any names he just said he killed others Yeah. yeah in 1994 a letter written in 1960 was found in a home on the west side of cleveland the letter was written by a woman who claimed she found her husband disposing of potts body in their home's furnace when the police tracked down the woman who lived at that residence or that address at the time she was then 83 years old she admitted she wrote the letter but claimed she did it because her husband had abused her and the letter was again quotes revenge fantasy hmm. yeah at that time her husband had already passed away so
0: there was nothing that could be done nothing anyway. that could yeah. be proved
1: from cleveland.com in 2000 multiple letters were sent to cleveland plane dealer reporter brent larkin the writer claimed to be responsible for the kidnapping and murder of Potts, and the writer claimed he, had, he would turn himself in on the 50th anniversary of her disappearance at Halloran Park. He said 50 years was long enough to live with what he had done and asked the reporter to meet him there at noon on August 24th along with the police department. A fourth and final letter was received August of 2001 with the writer saying he couldn't turn himself in because he was going into a nursing home. Despite an investigation, the writer was not found. The writer claimed to be 82 years old. I did find something a little more recent on Cleveland.com. August 23, 2015 article by Brent Larkin. Apparently someone called the Cleveland Crime Stoppers anonymous tip line in early August of that year and provided information on a possible suspect. Again, according to Cleveland.com, the information was investigated and proved accurate. Police would like that person to call in again with more information, leave more information on Crime Stoppers, uh, identity-protected website 25crime.com, contact the Cleveland Police Department Homicide Unit, the Cuyahoga County Sheriff's Office, or the Cleveland FBI, any of those. At the time of this article, the Crime Stoppers' reward was upped from the standard 2500 to 15000 now, I haven't found anything more recent than that 2015 article. Um, authorities believe Beverly was taken by someone she knew and trusted. Now, according to Wikipedia, witnesses say a girl resembling resembling Beverly was found talking to two men in a black 1937 Dodge Coupe on West 117th Street that night. And that's like a block from her home, between her between the park and her home. But according to Charlie Project, Potts was very shy and had been warned not to talk to strangers. So unless she knew these men, which maybe she did.
0: Huh. That's kind of, that'd make more sense than just randomly being picked up by some stranger and not throwing a fuss.
1: Well, you know, I think about that. It's like, okay, so she was there. Obviously, there were other people there at this park while this was going on. And when it broke up, people would have been walking to their homes or to their cars And if someone had snatched a little girl, you would think someone would have noticed it.
0: Yeah, somebody would have seen something.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: What, Whatever happened to the plump, short woman with her hand on Beverly's shoulder?
1: Now, I didn't see anything further on that. And I'm just wondering, you know, could it have been maybe, see this group, the show wagon was made up of 8 to 17-year-olds. And maybe that was a mother of one of the performers and maybe beverly newer that's just my thought
0: Hmm. still odd though i mean that, all these cases are a bit odd to me
1: uh well it's odd to me the number of of tips i guess we've i've put in this article and i'm sure there were quite a few more well you gotta people re- saying you know i did it
0: well yeah but at the same time our usual cases are very small towns yeah, they're not really yeah. getting that much coverage they're getting a little bit but not a lot this is Cleveland, Ohio.
1: Yeah, much larger. A lot of people.
0: <clears throat> gonna get out to a lot more people.
1: Oh yeah. So, Just the so number yeah. of people they had searching for her.
0: And any excuse a criminal's can a criminal can get to either get themselves more time to come up with something or to do something else. They're gonna take. I mean, like the guy that just wanted to be transferred back to his hometown. <laughs> yeah. After yeah. getting locked up
2: in California.
1: That was pretty bold. Yeah.
2: Remember at this time, Cleveland, Ohio, like a lot of large towns, was a bunch of communities. Yeah. And this 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 community appears to have been upper upper middle, middle class
1: perhaps maybe i'm not really sure i mean i've i've pulled the map up and i've i've looked at the homes on the street i mean they're they're nothing fancy but they're nice so i would say probably middle class maybe i don't know if i'd say upper middle class maybe this day and age they might be but but so maybe there would be
2: a a money issue with the missing person a kidnapping uh, where the money might have been involved
1: No, you know, I didn't see anything like that, but I didn't research to see what her dad did for a living. Maybe they were a little more affluent. I'm not sure. But uh, moving on, or actually wrapping it up, Beverly's mother passed away in 1956, her father in 1970, and her older sister in 2006. Beverly had a vaccination scar on her upper left arm, a small scar over her left eyebrow, and a kidney shaped birthmark about one inch long and three-eighths of an inch wide on her instep. Now, I don't know which foot that was on. It just says one on her instep. In 1951, she walked with her toes out, which gave her a duck-like gait. Now, this duck-like gait is why the 13-year-old boy thought he saw Beverly on the night of her disappearance. He was watching her walk towards her home. Uh, Anyone with information regarding this case should contact Cleveland Police Department. 623
2: 5100 okay well thank you very interesting uh, I'm glad I finally set in on one of these that was uh, that was something else I love your studio you've set it up really nicely and it appears to work for y'all very well
0: yeah aside from that flickering light behind you that <laughs> well we like don't have goes. video so I don't yeah. think it matters so. yeah but it's still distracting to us and it'll just flash and flash, and then suddenly get real bright and then turn off again.
2: That was a very interesting case. 1951, a 10-year-old girl mis- disappearing after a neighborhood show wagon. Show, Yeah, a performance, show yeah. A summer performance. Is. yeah. Uh, with, with young teenagers. Uh, well,
1: yeah. younger than that, 8 to 17.
2: Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: So uh, basically, she was in a crowd of families and got abducted.
1: Yeah, nobody saw anything.
2: Uh, yeah, w- w- one of those things where you just don't stand out yeah and no one expects it nobody and also uh you, you didn't video everything like we do today so the information the police officers had to go with i would be real curious to see how law enforcement handles things now as opposed to how they handled them then um administratively yeah that would be something interesting to see it would be well thank you very much for letting me sit in uh thank will uh, I miss him, wished he was here, and I hope he gets well.
1: All right, sounds good. Until next week.
2: All right, see y'all later.